I believe we spent three Sundays talking about the preeminence of Jesus. And then the Sunday before VBS, we began to speak about the fatherhood of God. And uh, if you weren't here and and haven't heard it, it, it would be good to log in to Bible Center Church's web and hear it, not because of me, but because it uh, is part of what we're going to say this morning, the continuation of it. I found a letter from God. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. And I brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry but I am a complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. I am your provider, and I meet all of your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. For you are are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. 
for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all of your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you, even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you. And to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I will throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Jesus says, let me tell you about the Father. There's a story that I read, and it was a story of brothers. And one brother was older, the one younger, obviously, unless they were twins and they're still one older, younger, but... But this so happened that the older brother <clears throat> was able to know his father in such a way that he was able to spend time with him and get acquainted. And... But the younger brother, the little one, was not so fortunate because the father passed away. And so they're in his mind's eye, and there was no memory. There wasn't any correlation. They, they had not been able to, he had not been able to really know his father. And so the little guy was asking his older brother, he said, what was dad like? And... The older brother, the best he could, he began to tell him certain characteristics and traits. And, and yet, you know how sometimes that can be, you know, difficult to uh, relate and get a real picture from it. But he did his best. And, So in the, in the conversation, the little guy says, well, 
Was dad a lot like you? And not in arrogance, the elder brother said, that's what people tell me. When I go and am with people, they'll say, you're just like your father. And the little guy says, whoa, I had an awesome father. Because he then understood and comprehended what the father was like through the brother or the elder son. And the scripture says that Jesus Christ is our elder brother. And in this series, it's about that. Our elder brother is trying to tell us about the father. We have not in a statural way seen him. And so, as you bring up the passage of Scripture, Andy, this morning, this whole series is about the fatherhood of God, the Father's heart. Jesus said that everything I'm doing, everything I'm saying, everything that you're beholding is about the Father. I told you in the first setting that historically there was little known about the Father when it came to God. Only 15 times was it ever mentioned in the Old Testament about God being a Father. There was all kinds of other, you know, what God was or is, but not a lot about who God is. He's creator. And the various elements that we capture from it, and all of those are true. But there was that missing element of incompleteness that the Old Testament, when it finished in Malachi, had not yet been revealed. And that's God as a father. And so Jesus is saying, let me tell you about the, about the father. 200 times Jesus used the word father. The Apostle Paul used the word father 40 times. Tremendous emphasis. And so our passage of scripture this morning, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father. And it's sufficient. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am with the Father, the Father in me, and the words that I speak to you? I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Thank you. Yes, Jesus came, and all of his work, his sacrifice, his ministry, his attitude, his presentation, was all for the purpose of Telling us about the Father. A Father. You see, many people's Father lens is broken. They can't interact with the Father without hindrances. They've been contaminated by personal experience. And that has transferred onto them and how they relate to God. But he's shown us the Father. Hebrews chapter 3 says that in these last days he's spoken unto us by his Son. The last yet most explicit and perfect revelation of the Father is in Jesus Christ and from Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus, of all the things and many things that we can equate to Uh, And the reason for his coming, the ultimate was the restoration of sonship life. The restoration of sonship life. You see, when Jesus forgave the woman who was caught in adultery... According to Jesus' own words, it was the Father that was forgiving her. I'm not doing this. It's my Father that's in me that's doing it. When Jesus embraced the children, it was the Father who was embracing them. 
when he washes the disciples' feet, it's the Father that's washing the disciples' feet. The image that you may have of God may not include a proper view of his fatherhood. I'm not saying it doesn't. That's why the Life of Jesus in the New Testament is so important when you interpret and begin to evaluate and use the Old Testament. You see, God didn't want us to think that he's distant and demanding and uncaring. He wanted us to believe that he was tender Close and interested. Let me tell you about the Father. He breaks open eternity for us, and He makes relationship with the Father through the Son and in the Holy Spirit, a real possibility. Did you know that God could have forgiven your sins, made you in right standing without making you a son or a child? But his purpose and your role is not just simply, you know what I mean? To bridge the great divide of sin makes, but is to restore the sonship life. The scripture goes to great lengths, begin to tell us as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. What does it mean to you this morning, to us, and may it be enlarged to be a son of God? 1 John chapter 3, beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. He's just poured it upon us that we should be called the Children of God. There's still some vacancy and vacuums there. It doth not yet appear what we shall be like, but we know when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see, prior to Jesus coming... Seeing God was like peering through a keyhole. You look through a keyhole into the room, and everything is limited to the shape of that keyhole. And it contains only the things that you can see through that shape. 
But it's not until you walk through the door into the room that you begin to see and appreciate the size and the scope of the room and everything that is in the room. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth in the life. I am the door. Prior to Jesus, you just look through a keyhole. But when you come through the door, that door is taking you someplace. There's someone in the room who's visual and who God wants you to see. The Father heart of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Where is Jesus taking us? To the Father. Because he, he knew the Father. He knows the Father. And he wants to show us the Father. Hindered and hampered many times by life. There's a story in the prodigal son. It has to do with how you see the father you're familiar with the story but let me tell you about the father this parable is about the restoration of sonship life both sons did not really know the father. But as the story unfolds, the father is revealed. Yes. What is neat about the prodigal son and his return is he is not identified by his sin, but by his sonship. This, my son, was dead. Oh, hallelujah. The sonship life, you know, was not alive. But a new beginning was about to take place. He is pardoned, he is reinstated. The forfeit of his rights and privileges. That he had wasted and ran away from. Is 
is now brought back into. Sonship. And this thought and this, this perspective of Jesus as he's shown as the father, it so rattled the religious community because they thought this. They thought that Jesus was promoting carelessness and compromise and presenting that God was tender. Yeah. In the conversation with the elder son, and it doesn't run that way, you know, that's the last part of it, but I want to use this first. Jesus goes ahead and he honors justice. Even with the elder son's wrong view of his father. He honors justice because what does he say? All that I have is yours. Your life of service, your life of dedication, your life of loyalty. It hasn't went unnoticed. But there is a truth that he's trying to get into the elder brother in this case. That mercy takes precedence over justice. And love takes precedence over law. The reason is is because mercy and love are the powerhouses. Mercy and love are or is the horse before the cart rather than the cart before the horse. Let me tell you about the father. Show us the Father. Show us the Father. Now the story of the prodigal. The Bible says that when he saw him a great way off, he ran. Let me give you what I think is going on here. The father, no doubt, was probably sitting in the city gates because that's where the activity of life, that's where the business of life, you know what I mean? That's where the elders sat. That's where, you know, the, 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 the inner working of life went on. And so as he is there and, you know, their villages are different than ours, Okay. There was walls and gates. And so he sees him afar off and he gets up and leaves what he is doing and runs after him. Hugs him, brings him close and 
more than likely he puts his arm on his shoulder and he walks him back into the city, through the city to his house. And the reason that he's doing that is manyfold, but the one that I want you to grasp this morning is that he was running to his son to eliminate his journey through the village that, you know, would have been filled with finger pointing and shame. And so he runs and he embraces him and puts his arm around him and he tells him, listen to the community, to the village, to everybody that knows what he has done. From the father's perspective, he's not exemplifying shame or allowing shame. He's standing beside him. Hallelujah. I'm proud of you. You're my son. You're my child. It's not about where you've been, but it's about where you are now. It's not about the death that's been happening in your life. It's about the life that is now taking place in the restoration of sonship life. You don't have to prove yourself. I really think God thinks that love works. I really believe that God thinks that love is still the strongest and most powerful. You know what I mean? Thing that we can have in our heart and the and most powerful expression that we can give out of our lives. Let's test him and let's see. No. Stand up, would you, Scott? Say he's ruined his life. (laughs) He, he, you know, is perfect as they come, so, you know, I'm in good company here. But he takes him, you know what I mean? You're supposed to be honest. I know. And he walks him through the streets and the tongues that would wag and the fingers that would point, you know what I mean? And the, you know, the shouts that would have occurred. They get shot down because the father does not judge him by his sin, but by his sonship. He has made us accepted in the beloved. Who's the beloved? We said that in the first one. 
Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He said, you know what I mean? It's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness. You don't have to give any blood. He gave it all. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. It doesn't produce carelessness. Yeah. When the love of God and the understanding of the fatherhood of God grasps us and hits us, you know what I mean? It's going to be like Jesus said, I always want to please the Father. I always want to please Him. If you stop in the Old Testament, you'll be challenged. But it's incomplete without the elder son telling us about the father. God does not want us to live in shame. He wants us to live in liberty. He who spared not his own son, but gave him up for you all. Who spared his son? Did not spare your son? The father. How shall he not by him also freely give us all, all things? whether you're the prodigal or the elder son. Both needed a update of who the father was and what he was like. So then as he brings him through the shame that could have been there. and It says he kissed him, which is this, in it, that in itself is a sign of affection, and it's a sign of forgiveness. The robe is a robe of of distinction. It's a family robe. It's a family color. Yeah. There are no second class citizens. There are no second rate sons. It just isn't. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's some that stayed home and there's some that went away, but when sonship life is restored, 
There is no trial period. (laughs) Hallelujah. There is no trial period. Give the Lord a praise. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. Notice what he's doing with this. He puts a ring on his finger. It's a ring that identifies that he belongs and that he has authority. Do you understand this morning that you not only belong, but you have authority? And whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he's going to do it for you. Yeah. Ask that you might receive, he said. The heart of the Father. He put shoes on his feet. That meant that he was a free man. He was not a slave. Slaves did not wear shoes. So culturally it has a you know, dynamic message that he's telling us that you're a free man. And it also means that you are going to be Your temporal needs are going to be taken care of. How many know he came home poor? He came home empty. He came home with nothing. And the shoe says, you know, worry about your future. I'm going to take care of your future. Hallelujah. How shall we not with him? As my musicians come this morning, I hope that somehow we're grasping just a little bit because I have more notes than you would get bored by the time I got done if I read them all. But then he fatted calf as a it was there that it was for special occasions but it is not just for special occasions it was indicative that you now have a seat at the father's table the the world that you had yesterday is left you barren, left you empty. 
It's taken everything from you. But now, as you sit at the Father's table, I believe that getting a visual, so many things that went on, like I say, I just can't cover them this morning. Would it be a stretch of biblical truth if I suggested to you this morning that just as Jesus came to reveal the Father, the church has an obligation and a ministry to reveal the Father. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me into the world. (laughs) Where do you think you're going? Not a religious camp. Not to your own group. You can have those moments. But I'm sending you out into the world. Because the world needs to know what Father God is like. As he sent Jesus, Jesus says, I'm sending you. John 20 and 21. As Jesus was the link between heaven and earth and between God and his children. We are not walking in that role. We are bringing his role. And we are not the elder brothers. We're brothers that's trying to find out and inform other people about the Father God. Just as Jesus became the voice of the Father that his children could not hear. He became the face of the Father that they could not see. The touch of the Father that they could not feel. It was his mission. I believe that the church is to continue Jesus' mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you or shown you. Yes. I believe that, and I've said this 
several years ago. It's not a great thing, but it, you know, in that respect, but I think it's a, an important thing that the prodigals and those that are away and the elders that are home. I believe this is the picture. I believe that this understanding and this comprehension is something that's going to revolutionize. It's not my word. It's this word. And I'm just here to point it out, to emphasize it and to draw it into the picture. To restore sonship life. Now, many people come to Jesus, but they have a difficult time going to where Jesus is trying to take them, and that is to the Father, to understand who they are, what they are, whose they are, what is theirs. Jesus said in, after his resurrection, before he had ascended and they touched him, he says, don't do that yet because there's some things that are not finished because I have not yet ascended to my father and your father. My God and your God. Jesus in John chapter 17 also says, you know what? You have a right to go to the Father because of what I have done, because of, because of my name that I give to you. You have a right to go to the Father on your own. finish it I've completed it you don't got to go get somebody and try to help you get there he says you can get there you can come all on your own stand with me this morning hallelujah Christ existed for the world the church exists for the world Yes. He has taken us out of the world and then he sends us back in to the world. What does it mean when he takes us out of the world? He took the world out of us. And now he says, I want you to go back into the world to free others from the pull of the world. And what is that? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the lies, and the pride of life. Yeah. Amen. We have a song. 
I wonder just before we sing, if we could just bow our heads. Father, this morning, put an Abba Father spirit and Abba Father understanding and an Abba Father connection in us. This is no, this is a dis service to Jesus because as our elder brother that's why he came was he wanted us to know the father thank you today father I believe that many people are in love with God and it's wonderful and we should but they don't have an idea about the Father side of God. This is not just information. Now, I'm praying that somehow it can be transformation. I think that we must not linger too long over the hidden things of God. But I think we need to focus on that which has been revealed and the visibility and the accessibility that Jesus shows to us. There are some things God doesn't want us to concern ourselves with because there's so much to concern ourselves with. (laughs) Amen? Yes. And as Jesus tells us about the Father, he's revealing some hidden things that were not revealed in those thousands of years of Scripture. He who's seen me has seen the Father. It's what he's like. Now let me tell you something, church, this morning. Both of those sons missed out on the wonders and the love and the provision and the care and the wonderfulness of the Father all because of their lack of view of the Father. Both of them did. Yes. But as he revealed himself and as he demonstrated himself, you know, all of a sudden he began to usher them into what the fatherhood of God really means. It's not just a term, church. No, no. It's a hand of God in the hand of his sons and his daughters. Amen. And I think the church has missed out on this wonderfulness of the Father's house and things of the Father because we haven't understood. Some have stayed home and labored so hard and some have wandered and lost. But all that the Father has is yours. Your daddy might not have been so good. He might have disappointed you. 
But Jesus says, let me tell you about your heavenly father. I remember as a boy, the sweetest and dearest words that I ever heard. And I, I had them often in my life from my dad was not Don, but son, but son. And I didn't really know the extenuousness of that, but there was something deep in my heart when he would say, son, it went to the core right there. And it did things that I didn't even know about. I believe that the father is saying, son, daughter, son, daughter, son, daughter. As you go out, thank you for all the work that you've been doing, all the work that you've done. And I think immediately as, you know, Don, as he sits here with those boys. It's the absence. It's the missing link. They say society is the way it is because of the missing link of the father. But let's not go ahead and lay blame at the missing natural fathers. Let us go ahead and take it upon ourselves as the church that we begin to, you know, relate the heavenly father so that there can be a restoration of the and in the earthly fathers. Go with God because he is going with you. God bless you in Jesus' name.